retro anime. How did we fight it? How does it hold up? Unpacking the ins and outs of being an old school nerd, and proving that 80s kids can't remember a damn thing right. These are the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd. Welcome to Mindless Midlife Musings of the Anime Nerd. I'm Rick, and I'm joined by the rest of our panel, Brian, Lynette, Vic, and Andrea today. How's everyone doing? Yo. Hey, everybody. All right. We continue our celebration of Studio Ghibli and all things Hayao Miyazaki. In this episode, we travel to a world of witches and wizards as we join Sophie on her journey to find Howl's Moving Castle. Howl's Moving Castle is a 2004 Japanese animated film written and directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It does, again, fall outside our usual criteria for reviewing films, but because it's Ghibli Fest, we're going to give it a pass. It is loosely based on the 1986 novel of the same name by British author Diane Wynne-Jones of Wales. The uh, English dub was handled by Disney during their collection of Ghibli films uh, that they were managing at the time and stars some really just inspired casting. Uh, Gene, yep. Simmon, Gene Simmons, Emily Mortimer, Lauren Bacall, Christian Bale, Billy Crystal, just you know, all around lots of awesome in that one. <laughs> so the note the first note i had and i feel like was just rip that bandit off and get into it is that it is in the film was influenced by miyazaki's opposition to the united states invasion of iraq in 2003 and contains strong anti-war themes wow i didn't find this horribly surprising the thing is is that apparently according to some statements he wanted to make a film that we wouldn't like as americans and I didn't have the heart to tell them that most Americans didn't want a war in Iraq either. So we were very much on the same page, <laughs> fortunately yeah. for him. And still love the movie. <laughs> yeah, the film did gangbusters over here because nobody here wanted to go to war either. Um, <laughs> he probably could have he, he pulled the audience first. Yeah, probably could probably felt that out. <laughs> anyway. You know what? And the thing about it is, is that I can see it. Because I was actually thinking to myself, what war? You know, I really felt that was, all right, what war are they talking about? But clearly it's the Iraq war. Happy Memorial Day for you. I mean. <laughs> Timing on this recording but, could be better. But the thing about it is, is that with that whole war thing, they don't really talk about what causes the war. Right. Yeah, you know, I think, yeah, I think that that's a testament to Miyazaki's position as a pacifist. It's just all war bad, period. You know, like well, they they do a little hint. They do. The you king is the an sun. idiot. Well, <laughs> no, the king is an idiot. He comes in waving a piece of paper, saying, "I got this brilliant idea," looking like a dork, and then runs out. <laughs> like, well, he still has that epic jiggly and, uh, mustache. Yeah, and I, I love that that Howells, in his head, he impersonates this this ruler as a person who has insight and is benevolent and like this, and it's, it's so out of character when the real one walks in. You're like, oof, you misread that one, buddy. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he should have been wearing a Ronald McDonald costume because that's <laughs> basically how I saw him. He's like, he just walked in and was like, "Look, mom, I drew a turkey with my hand," and then he just walked out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like tell us how you really feel yeah there you go 
But so I, I think he kind of hinted a little, but not a lot. It it just now that you talk about the ruler, it sounds more and more he was making fun of George Bush. Well, I mean, who <laughs> wasn't right? Yeah, but I mean, right? Like that's if it's a criticism of the war of the invasion of Iraq, then then it's clearly a criticism on on the Bush administration. And 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 don't worry, our uh, rightly listeners, we're not going to sit there and, and bash everybody's favorite Republican president. Right? He's the favorite one. Is that the checks notes? No, he's not. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was Reagan. <laughs> wrong, wrong one. Um, anyway. Uh, we're not going to sit here and do comparisons with real-world events. That's just what inspired him to do it. We're here to talk about the anime itself and uh, just the, the magic of it all. <laughs> nice word choice. Well, yeah, you know. It's it's interesting because it's yet another anime that is set in a European setting. Uh, another fanciful sort of European setting. The note I wrote was somewhere in here, but it's something like this could be a shared universe with Kiki's delivery ser- delivery service and Laputa and just a couple mm-hmm. other, like even Porco Rosso. Like they all could could be in this same world almost. I mean, hell, Porco Rosso's probably a pig because the Witch of the Waste was a bitch. Like, I mean, it's entirely possible. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you can link all this stuff up. Yo, you blowing would, people's mind. It wouldn't be that far off. <laughs> That's why he didn't care. It was too far off. Right. Yeah. That's he. He's been a pig for like you know eighty years or something. I don't know. And this, the point, <laughs> like the executive, you're like they know. Right. <laughs> um, I do like that. Just like in Kiki's delivery service, they sort of establish early on that this the magic is a known element in this world. Uh, the wizards and witches are known elements in this world. They they talk about Howl because his castle's lumbering in the distance and hushed tones like. Oh, he's gonna get a girl. He's gonna eat her heart. Ooh, you know, like it's it's almost a joke to them. It felt more like it was propaganda. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, it's all it's all gossip. You know, she smokes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, that's I I liked that uh, because I felt like they were very. It was a very good way to establish the fact that nothing we see is gonna be so fantastical that nobody believes it. You know what I mean? Like the characters right. in the story. Uh, like, so oh, was, someone's like, doing that. Oh, magic. Yeah. It happens. Like, oh, you got cursed. Oh, shit. I hate when that happens. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the thing about it is magic doesn't really have even... All right, go back to your point about um, the propaganda of Hal, right? Yeah. Sophie really doesn't react to, oh, my God, I'm meeting Hal. Right. She doesn't, she doesn't cover her heart. <laughs> she doesn't... Oh, my gosh, I have Hal and they have these monsters. Maybe I should go with the monsters. None of that. She is like, Let's just jump off a building together. Do you care? Right? <laughs> None yeah. of this. And don't forget to keep on walking despite the fact that you're dangling in midair. You know, when the wizard says keep walking, you fucking keep walking, all right? Right. Like, like, and the thing with it, it's not like it's Munchausen syndrome or Stockholm syndrome, you know, because she went looking for him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, afterwards, right? Like, that was the interesting part about it. Which, I mean, I get because technically it's his fault that she is in that situation, right? Mm-hmm. If, if he hadn't intervened or interfered, then the Witch of the Waste wouldn't have seen her or her henchmen, her weird googly guys and their cute little dapper hats wouldn't have seen her. And the Witch of the Waste wouldn't have had to go to the hat shop and wouldn't have cursed her. I mean, the very last words she said to her, give my regards to the howl, like, mm-hmm. fuck you. 
So it's technically it's Hal's fault. So I get Sophie's thought process is like, Jesus Christ, I got cursed because of Hal. I need to go find Hal so he can help me clear this up. <laughs> you know, she's she's remarkably zen for finding yeah. out that she turned into a ninety year old lady. Like 100%. she just went way too calm. Right? I, I, I think there's something in the hat that she wears. <laughs> there has to be something in the hat that she wears that just makes her just go, it's all right. It's fine. It's Everything fine. This hat weighs 7,500 pounds. <laughs> it's crushing my skull. You know, there's things worse to worry about. You, you I, know, I, I mean, it was just like she was she was very zen. She's walking up the mountain and she goes, she goes, I'm old. And I don't know why I'm getting so cold. I've gotten fatter, but I'm still getting cold. And she's just like, griping up the thing. But she's like, it's yeah. all right. I got it. It's cool. I, I, I think I, I appreciated that because it, it's like, if you've ever hung out with an older person for any length of time, you have no fucks left to give. And, and it, is, really it don't. is fascinating having a conversation with a person who's in their 80s or 90s. Like, they just do not care. They ain't got time for it. They're like, I could be dead tomorrow. I'm going to say what's on my mind. I do not have time for this. Like, it's fascinating. And what I liked about Sophie's transformation is that she didn't just get old and was a young person in an old body. She got old. Like, to mm -hmm. her core, everything about her, her temperament got older, her personality, like, every, I mean, she was already timid. Then, like, she got old and she got assertive, which was really yeah. fun. Fascinating. You know, I had a note that was about the part when she says the thump, the clothes finally suit me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like she was an old soul kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Sometimes we dress older than what we really are. Yes. You know. Yeah. It, it, that, that line really stood out to me as I'm wearing my dad's shorts and my... Uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I got, I got my Asics on today the richie valens t-shirt yeah i get it yeah. um yeah. <laughs> no and no here i am on my freaking days off wearing a godzilla t-shirt and jeans uh, excuse me <laughs> i have on menudo today so back off. oh there you go yeah <laughs> so <laughs> but yeah you're right you're right she she was an old soul uh which is why she didn't get along with the girls her sisters even like her relationship with her sister letty was definitely almost mothering and so much than sisterly. Uh, so, yeah, I kind of get it. It's an interesting dynamic. Uh, speaking of Letty, damn, that girl is stupid popular. My note is, is like, calm down, guys. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Like, everybody's in this bakery hitting up Letty. Nobody's right? Letty, man. Letty's optimal. <laughs> Jesus. Shoot his head. I mean... <laughs> I did like that part, though, where she does talk to her sister. She tells her that she can't, you know, basically telling her that you can't live out your parents' legacies. Like, do you even want to be a hatter? And, and she's all like, oh, it's fine. And then Letty's, like, pushing her to, you know, go. Um, I, that's that's yeah. why Letty's so popular. I guess. But the problem is that they spent more time talking about the castle that actually, this is the one I will say that they didn't build much time actually world building. Okay. And this one. So I thought she just worked at the hat shop, but you guys are saying that she actually owned the hat shop. Yeah, well, I, to say she owned it is it's no, more her like it's her, it was her parents' legacy. It was her mm -hmm. father's hat shop because uh, Sophie does say it's what father would have wanted. Mm -hmm. So clearly, clearly, mom didn't have much stock in it. 
and Letty was, or, I mean, and Sophie was basically running shit. Right. So, I mean, because she was locking up and opening up. I mean, hell, her mom even moved away, you find out later. She, like, got married well, again. The lady with the cannons on the hat. Awesome. Awesome accessory, by the way. Right. Who doesn't want those? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She actually had cannons on her hat. Um, was that her mother? Yeah, fusion with the Zonai device. Yeah, that was her mom. The young young mm-hmm. lady, the blonde that looked like Letty, but older. That was, that's her mom. That's she the one that comes to visit her later and is like, yeah. you need to move in with me. Yeah, that was her, that's, that's all mama. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's clearly not her game. Sophie's running the shop, uh, even though technically I guess it would belong to mom. And mom kind of just walks on it. And Sophie's just left there holding the bag, taking care of shit. And nobody bothers to really ask her because Sophie's, Sophie's biggest problem is she doesn't care enough about herself, right? So she's just letting people roll over her. Yeah, she's very like, self-deprecating about herself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Self-deprecating. Self-deprecating, but it's not like they weren't trying to engage with her. Because they were like, hey, Levy, you want to come with us? And she's like, no, no, I'm going to stay home. So I don't, it's not like anybody's trying to hold the bag. Hey, Letty, right. we got these orders of 50, 50 hats we got to make. We're going to go to the concert. You stay here. Now, mm-hmm. this was all her own doing to her own self. Yeah, right. Sophie, was, Sophie was her own worst enemy in that. And that's, and that's kind of a testament to the way her character develops over the story, right? When she turns old, it's, it fits her. But it's something she has to learn to grow out of. I think that's everybody in this has to grow in their own way, including, you know, Howl and, and even the Witch of the Waste. But with Sophie, it's it's more about kind of learning to love herself. Because mm-hmm. like you said, she's always cutting herself down. She's always like, I, the clothes finally suit me. Or he only he only kills pretty girls. You know, like she's always just hating on herself. But I mean, that you know, that, that changes. Um, I do my note. I do have a note, uh, animation note. I, uh, there's this scene when she comes back to the hat shop and it's dark and she goes in and she, she lights a lantern and they have to transition that background from a dark room to a candlelit room. And motherfuckers, that was amazing. Like I, it's such a stupidly nominal thing, but they transition that background artwork from a mm-hmm. dark room to a light room so well that I fucking magic to me. Anyway, it's it's a pain in the ass and I just appreciated it. And I'm calling you out, background animators who definitely listen to the show. You guys did a great job. Long time. <laughs> over yeah, the long time listeners, all of them. Even though uh, the anime are we're talking about two thousand four. So damn near yeah. twenty years. I imagine there is some transition. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that that brings us to our, our air, I'm air quoting, villain, the Witch of the Waste, who is just fucking great. <laughs> She's got... She had like three or four layers to just her neck. Yeah, <laughs> rolls upon rolls of this woman, and she's just like wearing her clothes like she no fucks to give. She's just like, I own this shit. It was amazing. <laughs> Oh man, and and she curses Sophie in the weirdest way possible because it's magic. Who the fuck cares? She like eases through her, and she's like, "Now you're fucked." And <laughs> it's like, "That's what? it. Sorry." So, like, if a ghost passes over your skin, that's all that needs to happen. There you go. That's it. You're dead. You're screwed. Uh, but 
uh, like I said, I, I loved that it, it didn't just make her look old, it made her old. And that was that was great. It's it's such a what I liked about that was that it's kind of hard to explain. It's that the hero of this story is an old woman. <laughs> like it's 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 a weird thing to say out loud. Like it's a good thing, but it's a good thing. The hero of this story is like an 80-year-old woman. It's really but cool. But she's young at heart. <laughs> just impressive it's a neat she's thing. old at heart she's not young <laughs> well when she was an 80 year old lady she was still technically young at heart and i i love how like she self-soothes like she's like oh oh she looks in the mirror nope nope oh no no shit no no this is great. oh no i gotta go sit down <laughs> i'm gonna go to bed I, when i come back everything will be fine it's okay fine. Sleep this off. It's just a thing. Oh, man. I have another bone to pick. Again, yeah. I'm, I know I'm Ghibli-ites, 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 Ghibli-ites. Yeah, we agreed to talk about Ghibli-ites. Uh, please, Ghibli-ites, uh, take this with a grain of salt and don't come and uh, hunt me in Perumph, Nevada, where you can find me. <laughs> we all know that's not nearly true, Brian. <laughs> But I have an issue that magic, in, uh, in the words of Naruto, talk no jutsu. <laughs> you know, Please elaborate. You know, where it's not really, there's no Expelleramist or Wagadium Leviosa, or mm. it's just, it just happens. I'm going to do shit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wish there was, and even with how. The transformations mm-hmm. of how he goes from damn near harpy to human and harpy mm-hmm. bat. It, I wish there was more background in this. I really do. I understand. I understand. Yeah. So the the magic is more um, almost like a muscle memory, and it is something that has to be like learned. Like you don't go to Hogwarts to learn to be a wizard in this world. You right. just It's it's kind of a a, a skill set that you. You know, learn. Well, wait, how did have a, his uh, diploma on the wall? No, no, I mean, like, he did. well, and even Madame Solomon does say that he he studied, but then he didn't finish because he didn't like it. So he liked right. it. And I imagine, but this is actually another story that he did actually write himself. He adapted this off of a book. Right. This is adapted off of a book, loosely adapted off of a book, if I uh, my notes are correct. Um, that it is it the story dramatically different uh, according to this yeah i wrote it down so apparently the the film themes are very different the book focuses on challenging class and gender norms while the film focuses on like love and personal loyalty and the destruction of war you know so there are very different kind of dynamic going on there but uh yeah, there's there's more to it. Actually, in the book, and I, I wrote, a, I got a nice long note about this. In the book and in the movie, but they don't really talk about it in the movie much. Sophie's magical. Sophie's a witch, and uh, and she in in the movie, it's left up to the viewer to realize, but she can use her powers. Like you were saying, Brian, it's not a learned thing. It's more like a muscle memory kind of thing in rescuing the scarecrow and getting calcifer to listen to her things that nobody else has ever been able to do not just anyone could get calcifer to obey you know what i mean like they they sort of make allusions to her being a little extra um several times 
but they never outright tell you that she's also magical. I don't know. Like the fact that her age fluctuates depending on her emotional state is apparently not the curse. It's it's her magical abilities fighting against the curse. I don't think counter only okay. Yeah. I really wish they would have put that in there a little more clearly. But you know, that's that's I'm I just feel like the Miyazaki way of the movie probably would have been an extra forty five minutes if they did. <laughs> right. Not um, that that's a bad thing. No, so there was no a, not a bad thing, but you know. But even then, they, I'm, I'm pretty sure they could have edited out some of the other ridiculous things that we saw in there that really, I, did we need? Yes, we needed all the walking animation. Well, there's other things like like uh, the fact that Calcifer uses her hair to be able to get the power he needs to be able to make another smaller, you know, moving castle. Or right. the fact that he tells her that it's okay if you do it, Sophie. Like when she's going to like move him or when she's going to perform, do something with him, he tells mm -hmm. her it's okay if you do it specifically. Like it's not, it's not because he likes her. It's because she's also magical enough to be able to do it. So I really wish they would have spent a little more time on that because it took me way longer to realize that than it should have. Just like the no face complaints with spirited away. If they could have spent a little more time fleshing that out, for idiots Are like me. we going to be so bold as to call this a critique? I have nothing but critique. Yeah, no, it is a critique. It's a criticism, a valid one. Just like, again, the No Face one for Spirited Away. They should have made that a little bit clearer about what was corrupting him. They should have been a little bit clearer that Sophie was magical. In, in the book, apparently, her sister is goes off to witch school. She's got two sisters, and one of them like goes off to witch school or something. So there's a whole other obviously books have more characters, but like that would have that would have made the whole um is dad's legacy or, or dad would have wanted me to that would have made it stick more yeah. to know that he was following her muggle father. Yeah, rather than than some kind of like magical bloodline thing. Um Lynette, yeah. you love all this Harry Potter I'm throwing in there. <laughs> love it it's the best thing you can you can compare it to really like when you talk about magic using to mm -hmm. to to every other muggle that's that's your baseline is like everything's compared knows, to everybody knows a harry potter a little movie. bit about harry potter <laughs> so you're doing great me uh, <laughs> anyway it's it is a critique and i wish they would have fleshed that out a little bit more i think it would have elevated the story not that i i dislike the story i i'd love this movie I absolutely love this movie. It's it's a lot of fun. It's great, but it's uh like that would have just next tiered it for me. So it it was an interesting thing to read. You know, it you made the whole statement about uh, magic is a thing here, and we have wizards and witches here, right? Yeah. And I think that stood out to me that when they first said it, it was it was plural, like it wasn't yeah. just one wizard or one witch. Oh, yeah. There was multiple of them, wizards and witches. Yeah. And how do you know the person you're not talking to right there isn't a wizard or witch? You know? Yeah. You know? That's I, because I they're that's, just people just like everyone else. Right. And I think that that's, you know, I, I think that it's written in such a way as to not be the crutch that carries the story, but to just be an element of it. Like, the crutch of the story, the, the thing that carries the whole story is is their relationships and the fact that magic gets them involved in with one another 
isn't supposed to be the point. Um, the point is, is how they grow as people, right? Because like all Miyazaki's movies, people in, in his films are never good or evil. They're all complex and they have layers. Like even The Witch of the Waste, there are points in the movie where I fucking love her. And there are points in the movie where I just want her to die. And that's that's the complexity. Yeah, everyone's of, shades of gray. Right. That's the complexity of the human condition. And all of these characters are like that. All right. So when we're talking about age, right, we have Sophie and we're saying that she is uh, 80-ish, right? Yeah. yeah. How old are you putting the witch of the waste? So, so on paper. 772. Yeah, hang on, on Drea. paper, technically, Sophie is 90. 90? She was 18 okay. when she was young, and then you. she got transformed there. into a 90-year-old woman. There you go. 90-year-old So, which of the ways I agree with it? Probably like 700. Yeah, she old. She, uh, yeah, that she, is, she's, she's a little younger than Yoda. That is impressively... <laughs> and I, I loved... I, God damn it. All right, I'm jumping around. That whole staircase scene is the greatest thing... I've ever seen in an anime, and I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It's it's my favorite. When, I would consider guys... myself old, and I felt that. <laughs> Sophie was like, "I'm gonna hit her. I'm just gonna hit her." And then near, near the end, she's just like, "Come on, you can do it." Right. Come on. <laughs> and she's like, "Wait, help me!" And she's like, "Oh, what's that? You suddenly remembered how to cancel the spell? <laughs> I told you, I don't know that." Well, oh, my bad. And she's, I just, what I found hilarious is that Sophie started, you know, she's already passed the witch, then she turned around to pick up Heen, and then she went back up and still beat her. It was the best, it was the best thing. She was like, how if you weren't here, I'd hit her with a stick. And then she just goes <laughs> That's, I'm like, everything about that scene, I felt it. It felt so Golden Girls, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Like all he had, all, look, he could just made our life. If as I go up the stairs here, thank you for being it was like Andrea. You know what you need to do now. Oh my gosh! By the time, by the time the witch of the waste gets to the top of those stairs and looks like just a melted hot mess, I am dying. I'm dying. Look, I look. And Sophie goes. Gosh, you look older now. It's <laughs> burn. So good. So evil. And the best part about that was that scene was improvised. What? Yeah, originally it was supposed to be much smaller, and it was supposed to end with Sophie just like reaching her hand down to help the Wicked Witch of the Waste. Yeah. But I'm trying to find my note on it. Um, Someone's like, no, 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 we got something for this. Best ever trying to find my note on it but essentially yeah miyazaki got clearance to make that scene longer because it was originally shorter and it yeah. was going to end that way and he uh, decided to make this scene longer so he gave like the designer oh i'm trying to find my note on it but he gave basically the designer like oh i got a little bit more time on this can you just like elaborate yeah and the guy like storyboarded oh, it and then dude, figured out how to make it funny just killed it and that's that was the best no magic was used during that whole part, except right because no magic. <laughs> like it was by far the most—I want to say the most accurate depiction of adults going up a stairs. <laughs> like, I was like, I thought it was supposed to be a cartoon, but you over here making real life. It was a great view of forty-something-year-olds walking up the stairs. 
Master and, animator, Kinji Otsuka. The Witch of the Waste is just like sweat everywhere. Just sweat just, everywhere. She is sweating Ghibli tears out of her skin. <laughs> <laughs> She's just what, like, what? <laughs> I don't know about that. The death tear in the back. The tear <laughs> And then, then the flare of the nose. I mean, like when you see her walking up, she just goes. Oh, yeah, she, the whole scene is gold. The, the everything, everything, and it's it's also the other thing that I really love is is the dog Heen. Right when the dog Heen gets up to the top of the stairs, this is my inner animator nerd. The dog Heen gets to the top of the stairs. He doesn't just get put down. He gets put down, and he has to like like flutter his legs, and he's like trying to roll over. Like everybody's old in this scene, even the dog. Mm-hmm. Dog's like, oh god damn it, gotta roll over. It's it's so good. I have another criticism about the scene. Yeah. But the dog had ponyo legs. Yes, that was creepy. <laughs> the um I think they missed out in the casting of Suleiman. Yeah. Who who's currently Suleiman? I don't know who played Suleiman. Oh, is it uh I don't know. I don't know who played Suleiman. I know who I know who played the Witch of the Waste. <laughs> Um, Who's with the waist? It was Laura Laura Bacall. I'm not wrong. Okay, we can do home. better. I think they should use uh, Stifler's mom. <laughs> <laughs> and for Suleiman, uh, hear me out. It should be Julie Andrews. Dude, Madam Suleiman was Blythe Danner. It should have been Julie Andrews. If you can get Billy <laughs> he has her on speed dial. I know this. I, I <laughs> And another time listener. Another long time listener. Uh, he says that it should have been Julie Andrews. Yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, yeah Bill, Billy's been known to be very vocal about his casting uh, disagreements. Uh, so <laughs> why do you say that? You, you feel like they just would have brought something else to the role? I think it would have been like I geeked out the, when I heard that. Uh, just talking about the casting of Julie Andrews and certain things. Like sure. when I found out that she was in Aquaman as a beast, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was like, yo, this is an untapped market right here. She should have <laughs> been, there are so many mythological or magical creatures she should have been. Could you imagine, again, going back to Harry Potter, could you imagine if uh, 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 Julie Andrews was Professor McGonagall? You know, her and the magic, it just fucking goes hand in hand. She was fucking Mary Poppins. Give her her due. Let her do this shit. Get out the way of your own stuff. You are hurting your, you're hamstringing yourself. Just yeah, she's Mary Poppins, y'all. You need more Julie. Uh, <laughs> nice. More Julie Andrews. Nice. Need more Julie Andrews in this world. I, I, you know what? I'll, I'll vote that. We definitely need more Julie Andrews in this. Cast her and everything. She's fucking great. Um. And. <laughs> When I first heard Calcifer, I didn't hear Billy Crystal. I actually heard uh, um, Homeboy from uh, Hercules, Hades. Oh, James Woods. You thought it was James Woods? I thought it was James Woods. Oh, man. Like, I can yeah. see you trying to redeem yourself after Hercules. You want to, you know, <laughs> give it up. The flaming head thing. You know, he, yeah. he was... He was actually, I really enjoyed him in Hercules. But but no, Billy Crystal as Calcifer was, I'm sorry, that was just inspired casting. He's great. And the little ad-libs they let him do, they were all excellent. Every one of them landed for me. <clears throat> so that, again, personal thing. It's just, I thought... When he's trying to hold on to the piece of wood. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, Sophie, no, Sophie, wait, Sophie. All of that. 
may all your bacon burn. That's a different yeah. line than the Japanese version. And I think that yeah. every, I bought my wife a calcifer spatula and she only uses it to cook bacon so that the bacon doesn't burn. As it should be. <laughs> she knows what's up it's become such an integral part of like our nerd culture is may all your bacon burn i see like the person he was eating the eggs i don't know why that great crack the shell (laughs) 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 you know what that's not garbage i'm just saying that's like, when when he's grabbing the wood like popcorn did you see what's over left for me this is so great He's a fantastic character. He's such a fun little, like, and he, he seems like he'd be just one of those side characters, but it's in typical Ghibli fashion. He's so much more important to the story than just a supporting character. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just great the way that they play that out. Now, the criticism, again, we're oh. talking about more stuff that needs to be fleshed out. Sure. How's Moving Castle, yeah. right? How many times we know it moves? It does do we that. We know apparently. how. Yeah. We don't know how the castle became house because they made it. Yeah. Uh, look, you guys are saying, yeah, like duh. I I, but I'm saying they could have done more. It. No, I get what you're saying. I get what you you're saying. You want more backstory on the castle? It's think- it's kind of like what happened if you turned the TARDIS inside out. <laughs> So we're just going. Because you, know you, oh, you know how you go into a phone booth, right? And it's all. Blah, blah, blah. Well, what happens if you go. That's Howl's Moving Castle. There you go. So it's, one, more time um, that, one more time with that sound, please. It's, very, it's, it's a very scientific. It's, you know, wib, timely, wimey, wibbly, wobbly. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody, said, somebody said we're going to turn it Bob. inside out and put yeah. chicken legs on it. And there you go. The doohickey over there. You got to get. Yeah, do hickey work. We're not going to bore you with the, the details of it, Brian. Just, just suffice it to say that, you know, it's it's a very intricate goobly gob. And, uh, you know, we, we got you. But, yeah, it's... Well, it, we'll go ahead and say this, then. There was more storyline back world building on Ponyo than the... <laughs> That's fighting words, B. No, oh, man. Tell me I'm wrong. Somebody... Oh, you're very wrong. You can't even say it with a straight face. <laughs> I, you're very wrong on this one. There is so much more world in this one than in Ponyo. Look, and the only Cook. person who's high is Sophie, so that's, that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> so, in Ponyo, the whole world is high. In this one, it's just her. It's cool. There you go. <laughs> I don't know. I, think, I just feel like I think Andrea is like plotting to jump through the camera to smack you. No, nah, man. This so they they firmly established the magic is an integral part of the world. They firmly established that there is a, a war happening between two warring countries, factions. They use dialogue to explain the fact that they're angry because the prince has been missing, which ironically is Turnip Head, which was a very fun <laughs> twist of another, things. Another unsung character right there. Oh, Turnip Head's Turnip. He's the MV fucking P. That's my note. MV fucking P. Turnip Head is fantastic. And he's sitting there with a Totoro or cat bus smile the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's the happiest scarecrow in the world. And he's so great because it's in like in three seconds of screen time, I'm endeared to this character. She pulls him out of a bush. She's like, I've always hated turnips. You look like a turnip. Like that's just, she knocks him right away. 
And he's still like, he run, he hops off and he goes and he gets your cane and he hops all the way back to bring her the cane because he heard that she was missing a cane. Like, he's just nice for no reason. <laughs> it could have mm-hmm. been, she hates my head. I'm going to go get her a cane. Like, <laughs> it's just, she needs a place to stay. I'm going to go find her. Yeah. You would have thought he, if he was the prince, you, and again, we know that he's been cursed. Right. You would have thought that he would have spent a little bit more time. Hey, I'm really a big deal. You really should be helping me out. I can only assume, and I mean, obviously, there's a lot to assume when it comes to this this anime, but there's he's clearly been a turnip head for at least a while. Enough time for a war to boil, because right. he's apparently the crux of the reason that it's happening, even. So he's been missing long enough for one country to blame another country and to start a war over it. Sullivan. Oh, yeah. Right, Sullivan, exactly. And so it's, I, I think he's been doing it long enough to be like, you know what, I'm kind of over this. Or maybe he just was always over it, and he wandered off, got cursed, and then everybody started blaming each other. Who knows? I have no intention of reading the book. So quick question. Was yeah. him falling in the bush an accident or attempted suicide? <laughs> <laughs> well, he had to hold himself back up. He did it twice. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's a repeat offense. I don't know if it was like he's just like I'm. I'm tired of hopping around. I only. What happened is he saw Sophie and he fell over and was like, "Oh no, I've fallen. I can't get up. So if only someone could help." Me. Oh, that's what it is. Please touch my wood and get me up. I was. I man. I was. You beat me by one second. He, one was, second. he, was, he was in that bush. Like, please come grab my pole. <laughs> No. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, she is apparently his one true love, which is kind of an interesting thing that I appreciated is that... And he, well, he got over that pretty quickly, too. Well, real quickly. That's the thing about it, though, is he's all like, I'll be back. <laughs> it's just like, I can wait. I got all the time in the world. Uh, you know, she's I mean, his you one know, true love. For who knows how long? He's got plenty of patience. So, yeah, she's Who's his the one, one that's not straight on the love? Who set him straight on the love? The Witch, Witch of the Waste. Witch of the Waste tells him that, you know, the one true love must have broke the curse thing. And she's all flirting with him like she's even got game. And, <laughs> and she just had Howell's heart, okay? She gave it up <laughs> to Sophie, all right? She let her have her. She let her have him. And I just, it's, I liked, I kind of liked that even though she's his one true love, he he's not hers. Like, I kind of felt mm-hmm. like that was, that was a neat, Fucking life. like that never happened. That's you know I mean? life. <laughs> right, exactly. That's fucking life. Um, your friend, and the, your friend zone. And the witch is just so blasé about it. She's like, oh, looks like yours isn't yours. She's not yours. <laughs> You're not hers. I'm sorry. But you invite me back to your place, big boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like you wasted your affection. I know the thing about waste. Huh. <laughs> it's right back to, you know, old people just saying what they want to say. And 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 when you get to the Witch of the Waste stage, clearly there's nothing left for you to care about. Um. Before I make my next point about this po- about this part, is there yeah. any other thing you want to jump back to? Because we're towards the end of the of the series the, uh, of the film already. I, we're gonna bounce around. No, we've been jumping like. all over the place already from the get go. So go ahead, go for it. Go ahead and close it out. No, no I mean, go yeah. ahead and say what you want. Go ahead and say your thought. You wanted you had something a point you wanted to bring up. So. I was wondering, in regards to a, a, a I guess, a finale, mm-hmm. or what were y'all expecting to happen to Sophie? 
like not what happened to her, but what were right. you expecting to happen to her? Well, I think I think just based on the types of fairy tales that you're used to seeing, you know, play out in Disney movies and shit like that, you would have assumed that her curse would be completely reversed and, you know, she'd have been fine. That's probably the only expectation I had. Mm-hmm. I was pleasantly happy to see that they let her keep her silver hair. I thought that was cool. But, I mean, for the most part, she gained a new sense of self and, and you know, got young again. Which I, too, was waiting for that moment. And I was, like, waiting for just the hair to return. Because I saw that she was getting younger. Yeah. Right? And I was waiting for the hair. And then when the hair didn't come at first, I was upset about it. Yeah. And then I had my nose. I had an epiphany. Okay. You looked at my head and realized gray hair is sexy? Yep. Yep. Uh, <laughs> please elaborate, Brian, please. The greatest rewards requires transformation. I like it. I like it a lot. That's... I'll allow it. Fucking A, man. And that, yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah. Is, is, is the, the, the Ghibli professor approved? Approved. Approved. There you go. You have a Ghibli professor stamp of approval. I believe uh, that that's the film is the transformation of everyone. Everyone went through metamorphosis. And they all kind of got to give a little, right? Like, I loved how Howell, whole film, he's childish. Because his heart is childish. Because mm-hmm. he lost his heart as a child. It was a child's heart. So his, his whole, his, his, emo, his emotional growth is stunted. And he it's when he when he wants to move forward, when he's ready to for emotional growth, that he can take his heart back and and be in love and grow. Like I, everybody has these, even even the fucking witch of the waste, who is a creature of habit to the very end. At the very end, she gives up something that she wanted dearly. She transforms a little bit, you know, in giving up the heart that she'd been salivating over the whole movie. Literally cursed Sophie. Now, if she would have given up her nose, that would have been a much better thing. <laughs> well played. So I, I agree, Brian. I think that's an astute observation. Uh, well done. Everything about Howell is is circled around his childishness, right? His whole he has a little fucking emotional breakdown when his hair dyes go wrong. You know, he's <laughs> he's everything about him is this. This child pretending at being a grown man. Um, his his whole castle is is a train wreck inside, like the room of a ten year old boy. Like it's just shit everywhere. It's He's a bird guy. <laughs> Back to that stair scene, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that now that we have addressed that, we watched it with forty year old needs ourselves, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. When he had that breakdown, what? How old were your reactions there? <laughs> it was hilarious. When he just went, oh, oh look yeah, at my he, hair. Like, just <laughs> literally getting all juicy because he's just disgusted. <laughs> like, oh, um, no. I, <sighs> I can I can relate as a chick who occasionally, no longer, went to a hair salon and somebody flubbed up my hair. You cut it wrong. I had a girl do a bob on my hair in the middle of summer when it was humid and go, you look so adorable. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I turned into Howl. I don't see the point in living anymore. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't think about it. Just imagine a bowl cut oh. with my hair. Oh. And then summer where it I goes. Just... Like it literally. <laughs> it went That's... up instead of down. <laughs> it's just wrong. Right? I, so I turned into uh, Howl at that moment. So I, I could relate to him. I was like, oh. his hair. <laughs> I I came at it every time I've watched this. I come at that scene exactly the way Sophie does. Oh, he's just being a little bitch. Like that's basically <laughs> what she says. And I'm just like, as a father, I'm just like, oh my god, stop being such a bitch. Go upstairs. Oh, there you go. So in 2004, if I, again, this is my first time watching it. Yeah. Well, congratulations. Wow. <laughs> uh, Welcome to the club. Thank you. So first time watching it. And I have the fortune of going through. I now have again. I'm 45. I'll be 46 this year. And you shut your mouth on that. <laughs> well, I'm saying this because in 2004 when this came out, I would have had uh, three kids. So if I had watched this then and he had that reaction, I would have been like, "Oh my fucking god." <laughs> <laughs> Now here we are, 2023, and I still have two kids in my under my custody. And I heard that part, and I was like, "Oh my fucking god!" <laughs> <laughs> I think yep. that I would have did this as a parent. Yep. I never would have been able to break into. Oh, let me understand what he's going through because <laughs> you know, let me try to empathize with him. Nah, I wasn't built that. <laughs> Even, I totally even, sided with Hal. I said, I oh feel your pain. God. I feel your pain, Hal. <laughs> even, even Sophie's compassion is, and Sophie is very compassionate. She's very giving of, of every, of herself uh, to everything else, to the fault of not caring about herself enough. Is that even then her compassion at that moment is worn thin. She's like, oh God, he's just having a fit. <laughs> just like, goes short of getting a broom and beating Hal up the stairs. She, she she's in mom mode at that point and and, and she gives him leeway she's all yeah. like it's okay like everything's gonna be fine and it's when he starts calling on to the dark forces the little one's like oh i saw him do this once when a girl broke up with him and then she's like okay that's it you're gonna be a baby okay so now to be fair to be fair when he says he messed up when she messed up his magic she's like i didn't mess up anything i cleaned i organized it's like well, if he had something here, and now it's over here, it's like she messed it up. He explicitly <laughs> told her not to touch, not to go crazy. <laughs> and then it's like I've been through that that specific situation so long, as, like, as a parent, for so many times. It's like you didn't organize. I don't know where anything is now. <laughs> <laughs> no, as a parent, like, look, I done told you to clean your room. I had to go I, do it. Yeah, so yeah. now it's where I put it. <laughs> Okay, it's one thing when you're dealing, you know, with a parent doing that. You do with anyone else doing that. It's like that's not cool. That's why I love the scene when she was like, "If you have stuff there that you don't want me to see, you better go hide it now." And hide his toy collection. Look, can I tell you? I'm, he, I think they put the wrong face on on Marco on that one. <laughs> look, look, it. Marco did not have the I need to go clean my room or I need to get some things. He had I have some nudie mags. I need to go I hide my porn. Hide <laughs> porn. Hey, like, I go through that, that that browser cache. Browser. I can get all my stocks and get them away. <laughs> it's 
guy is an old man. I'm sure he can fit in anywhere and not have to worry. Goes in and I'll take a Playboy. <laughs> I'm saying less guilty. He could. He, they could have did that. A little bit too much pepper. Oh, yeah. That that was that was for all the adults watching that movie. That's what that joke was for. Hundred oh, yeah. <laughs> percent. Like, we can relate. Poor like, Michael. It did make me check myself. I was like, "Is all mine trash?" <laughs> Someone cleaned my room. Is everything safe? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh man, I, I do. All right, since we're talking about the house, of course, the castle, the you know, the name of the movie here, the castle. I do want to talk about the door. The door. I fucking want this door. Yes, I want that door. All right. So my question to the handy. panel. My question to the panel is. What four places would your door go to? Oh, 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 sir. Piece of cake. South Florida. My, uh, you know, home. Yeah. Downtown Tokyo. All right. San Diego. All right. And I'd have to think on number four. All right. All right. He, he oh, okay. Out. You have to all go to right. have to go to someplace you don't want to go. <laughs> all right. Minnesota. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry, All that right. came out way too easily. Who, who, wants, who wants to go next? Where would your four doors go? Uh, Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Wakanda. A known place, yes. We didn't say it had to be real. Yeah. Not wrong. I, I was going to say I realized yeah, there was no stipulation, so go for it. Not, yeah, not arguing. Uh, Belize. Mm. And the place I don't want it to go to. Um, and that's a tough one. There's so many places I don't want to go. <laughs> oh, oh, mine's easy. I know exactly where my I don't want to go door is. So it's not a problem. The problem is, it used to be my I don't want to go door, but now I have multiple reasons to go down there, so I can't not not go there. <laughs> I would have to say into the past. Uh, Hurricane Andrew Ward torn Homestead, Florida. How about that? All right. Okay, I'll, I'll give. That's I don't know that. Time is, is is not relevant here. I agree. Uh, all right. Well, anybody else who wants to go next? Where would your four doors go? I don't know the city, but one of them would go to the Red Fox Forest in Japan because those foxes are just adorable. Uh, Hawaii, Elysian Fields, of course, because where else? Whoa. Heaven. <laughs> And then, <laughs> oh, Narnia to you. <laughs> and then where I don't want to go? Yeah. Uh, North Pole. It's too cold, icy, nothing. All right, all right. That's where you go when you, you kick someone out to be grounded. Go. Okay. All right. <laughs> I have my black door. Okay, go ahead. Update your black door. A Sarlacc's mouth. Okay. All right. All right. So uh, mine are also, of course, Japan, uh, specifically. Uh, Tokyo. I would also need a door that goes to Nassau because I love the Bahamas. Okay. Another place I want my door to go. Um, next one is I'm going to go with like Fiji. Right. And where I'd want my black door to go, the Australian Outback. <laughs> Actually, just anywhere in Australia because that whole country wants everyone dead. 
and just everything there. everything i just did any pick it doesn't matter that that's my black door you guys are very Australia. you guys are very specific about where you want your tokyo your your japan door to go to mine yeah. has to be the red light district that's that's I reasonable I'll give it to you. No worries. Go for hey, it. You know what? That's fine because everywhere is like 20 to 30 minutes by train from there. So it's fine. All right, Andrea. Okay. I let you go last because I saw you thinking. Thank it through. you. It's difficult. Uh -huh. I don't know. And so here's the thing, right? Is that yeah. this is only at the moment because as we know, the doors yeah. can change. Yeah. Like my, my, um, my, my Fiji door isn't set in stone. Like I'm mean, the other, the other three that's never changing, but yeah. <laughs> you know, like mix it up. All right. So I'm, I'm a, I'm gonna go a little basic, obviously. My room, my house, oh, okay, my, yeah. my den, sure, my solitude. Uh huh. But the, yeah. but that's that's the inside of the door. Oh, so I would yeah. Just what's walk outside out the there? door? Yeah. When you open that door, what's where okay. are the four places? God damn, this is difficult. <laughs> okay. Gosh, <laughs> it's gonna be everywhere but home. Well, it's gonna be a pain to get to the kitchen. I would say probably Toronto, Canada. Nice. Amsterdam. All right. Um, my black door would be Mordor because I definitely don't want to go there. Um, <laughs> needs Mordor. And that just sounds <laughs> awful. <laughs> so many knows. Um, and then the last place I'm going to do a little cheat sheet and uh -huh. I'm going to say it would open into a TARDIS. All right. All right. I'll, I'll allow it. Be fair, I thought she was going to say the Ghibli Park. <laughs> when I could take the TARDIS to the Ghibli Park. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. That's what I've got. Okay. I think that is cheating, though. I really do think that is cheating. It's not cheating. Like, it's more it open. <laughs> I, I, did, I didn't put any limitations on this. So you guys all get your... As soon as you said there was no limitations, I was like, No, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To be fair, Brian, you originally wanted to go back in time, so... <laughs> that's right. Look, look, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to use the six degrees of separation why that can't work. All right. Billy Crystal's best friend was Robin Williams. Robin Williams was the genie, and the genie has already stated you can only get three wishes. Or, in this case, you can only get three doors. You open up the door to have another door to give you more wishes, it's cheating. <laughs> you know what? That is sound logic. I, you know... The gentleman from the debate team. He's and, got you his, know, he's got and you do know that in the official rules of Uno, you're not allowed to stack any pluses, correct? You said, I'm sorry? And in the official rules of Uno, you're not allowed to stack any pluses. Can't stack the buffs? You can't stack the plus fours. You can't stack the plus twos. You can't stack the plus fours on top of plus twos. And you can't stack plus twos on top of plus fours. Look, there's no need for you to be bitter because I got a, I got a good one. You don't have to take <laughs> I'm just saying, I want to make sure where we stand here. <laughs> No, 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 no. So we were talking about that doors. If you're popping that stipulation, then you can't change the Nuno. That's all. No, we were talking about doors, and here you are trying to take away free parking. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So your doors. I love all your answers. Thank you. And that's a question I'm going to pose to the audience, especially when we post the episode. Where do your four do doors go? I want to know everybody's thoughts on that one. I just think it's a fascinating concept that I've never seen used really anywhere else. Artist is the closest thing you get, and there's like a whole process to get that to happen. So I love the four doors. It's it's a brilliant, brilliant thing. This is the first Ghibli anime I ever watched that made me realize Ghibli food was a thing. Like I, I'd seen a ton of Ghibli anime, but when I watched this one, I smelled breakfast being cooked. 
Like, <laughs> it was like, this was an awakening for me with, yeah, like, thick fucking cuts thick, of bacon. Thick cut bacon. This was no fat, was. like, barely any fat. Ghibli food's a big thing. When I went to, to the Ghibli Museum, there was a whole exhibit on just Ghibli food, and it showed, like, a bunch of recreations of Ghibli dishes, and Vic was mm-hmm. with me, and amazing. But it wasn't until I'd seen Howl that I was like, oh, this is, like, a thing. Like, <laughs> it made me crave bacon and eggs watching this movie. And it still does every time I watch it. Watching him eat the food just snarping down that egg. Oh, Right? So it's good. got the bread, and he's, um, yeah, I was into it. I promise you guys, we don't plan this part out, but have you ever heard of a samurai egg? No. All right. It's where you take, it's, it's a fried egg, right? Uh-huh. But you separate the yolk from the white. Okay. You cook the white first, uh-huh. set the yolk on it, and then fold it over like a burrito. Fascinating. That sounds like a lot of work, but sounds interesting as hell. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I've never heard of this. Does it give a different flavor profile? or? I don't know, but I want to try well, it. You have runny eggs. I mean, you know, hey, that, that so you sounds good. You get the yolk, so the yolk uh, gets lightly cooked because it's separated. It doesn't overcook at all. Okay. So when you, cut, when you slice into it with the samurai katana that you clearly have. You have to cook with one. I believe that's the rule. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it starts with... Is this my food, my foodie contribution uh-huh. to this? There you go. Food? You got it. There you go. Bravo. I want the frying pan. If anybody knows where to get that frying pan, because I don't know how you can half a dozen eggs and three <laughs> thick cut bacons and have it all just sit nice and neat. I don't know where. It's separate. All right. And Let's separate. Just be real. It wasn't bacon. It was pork belly. <laughs> I, I, I would give you that. I it was definitely, it was definitely pork belly. But I mean, for the purposes we sound... of. <laughs> I, what are we going to do, man? Look, Ghibli food. That's all I'm saying. Like, if you didn't notice Ghibli food before this, I feel like this is the anime that makes you go, oh, the Ghibli food's a thing. Admittedly, like, the ramen in Ponyo looked delicious. Oh, yeah. And But it, again, Ponyo for me was well after oh. this movie. So it's, this movie was made me go back and rewatch other Ghibli films and pay attention to Ghibli food. Did you give? Did you just give Ponyo a, a, a I don't know compliment? You're gonna That's have the to only go compliment Ponyo, again. Ramen. You're ramen. gonna have to go back and, and listen to that. <laughs> you have to go back and listen to that episode, brother, because I gave Ponyo a lot of love, a lot of love. It was very a lot of love for a lot of different reasons. Uh, nevertheless, it's not Ponyo itself. Ramen in that looked amazing, and every time I watched that. It's the one takeaway I get is I want more ramen. More. Um, I did have a question. Yeah. Did the Chitara watch Howl's Moving Castle and build their ships based off of the ships oh, that the, they have? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the, the little flappy wings. <laughs> <laughs> and they look like little snakes as they're going. Yeah. It's like I, I would put I would put good money down that the design team uh, at Marvel are all anime fans. Like I yeah. put good money. Somebody had a writer's block and was like, how do we make these things different? And someone in the background is watching Howl's Moving Castle, and they go, that, that right there. <laughs> yeah, I talk about the fact that Howl's, Howl's Castle had cannons on it. Why? Howl's, Howl's Castle is a 
Uh, hodgepodge. You know what the Howl's Castle was? Howl's Castle was when you're you see a, a child, roughly eleven, ten or eleven years old, and and you give them a bunch of playsets, and and you just let them go, and you watch, and all of a sudden, Barbie's riding on on Battle Cat, and and Battle Cat is inside a Cobra like Raider X ship. And it's just everything, just like that's the castle. Is all pieces of everything just kind of meshed Tough. together, the way a child plays with things. Like all the parts, it, they don't matter. Like it's just everything's piled on. And that's to me a, again. The castle is a hot mess because Howl is a hot mess. The castle is is a representation of Howl's soul, right? Because his his heart is powering this thing. His his even his, his room is chaos. The ship, the castle itself, is a mess of just you know, different shit that a kid does. I am sick and tired of you veils coming in here and fucking up my world <laughs> <laughs> with these awesome insights. I am I am done with it. I veils <laughs> and guar. I hate you guys the way like I I start saying this whatever point I have yeah. as like. Man, I thought about it. I wrote it down. Yeah. Oh shit! Yeah, that shit doesn't work. It's 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 a fucking child's part. What do you expect? <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> that's 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 my observation of it. That's the way that, and and that's the interesting thing about Ghibli films, right? Is that you can interpret them in a bunch of different ways. Look at the experience you had with Ponyo versus the experience I have with Ponyo. Right? Look at the experience that other people might have with Princess Mononoke or Nausicaa, my favorite film of of his library. I hold that near and dear to my heart than probably anybody on this panel. And because I found more meaning in it, there's just it's the thing about these movies. Like people find meaning in ways that you may not have initially even conceived of, but it doesn't diminish your viewing experience or change it. It's just, that's how they had, that's the experience they had with it. And that's what I love about these movies. I just felt very childish with my comment. And I didn't like it because I've been doing my laundry, and I've been doing it, and I'm not a cop. <laughs> well, well, to give more insight to that, right? Here we go. Inside the inside the novel for Howl's Moving Castle, it is described that there is a castle, and it's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different parts, but it's not explicit as to what parts they are. So actually, Miyazaki was struggling to think of what the castle would actually look like. So he went to, oh, sorry, he went to uh, his producer and they just sat down and like just talked and the producer started doodling and started putting in cannons and fireplaces and like just random stuff to like put things together. And that ended up becoming Howl's Moving Castle. There you go. And originally, fun fact for Ponyo fans, they wanted to put chicken feet at the bottom, but then decided to go more steampunk and put robot leg chicken feet. Oh, they wanted to put Ponyo feet on it too? There you yeah, go. You already had them. Originally, they wanted to do that, then they decided against it because it's more robotic. So they saved the chicken feet for the fish girl. Yeah. Makes so perfect sense. Technically, <laughs> the design specific for like the cannons and the and yeah. the chimney and stuff, that was just them just doodling and messing around yeah. and sketching and just talking. All right. And the, you know, the actual concept of the castle was, of course, from the novel. I, there you have it. <laughs> Three different experiences. <laughs> You're, you, we really need to standardize our research. Because <laughs> Everybody should get the same textbook. <laughs> right, right. I would feel better with that, you know. 
You can all turn your manuals to page 54. You'll find <laughs> that one here. <laughs> originally, the castle was going to have chicken skins. <laughs> I love that. I think it's great. Uh, <laughs> but I also, I also feel like, like I'm glad that we don't do that, right? Like I'm glad that we don't have that problem, Brian, where we're all having like the same exact levels of research on this. More a reflection of how people experience these movies. The the five of us had vastly different experiences with this film, and we came at it in different ways which we'll get to now in our closing because that's how we roll. We, we run long with Ghibli films and we want to try to avoid Obviously. running too long. Um, <laughs> nevertheless. You look the hair over an hour. It's all good. It's all good. We're fine. And believe me, I, there's notes from here to kingdom come when it comes to uh, Ghibli films. Boy. Yeah. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's. Let's go ahead and take it out though. So Lynette gets to go first this this time. Lynette, I assume that you've been uh, to Howl's Moving Castle in the past. I have. I, I figure. So uh, yeah, take take us out of the gate. What's what are your thoughts? Uh, when I watched it the first time, instant love. I would have to say the visual effect for Howl going from the harpy to man is beautiful. Oh my gosh, when the feathers open up and you just see the blue eyes and. I obviously, I have a thing for eyes, but it was just like, pop, boom, there it is. And to me, when you see that, whenever he transforms out of there, it's just like pain. That's all I saw was just like pain, but he still does it, you know? And so that was me. I, I always enjoy watching it because visually it's beautiful, but it, as always, you're seeing is like everybody's struggling. And then in the end, Nobody comes out unscathed. Everybody's hurt in some way, but they just get up and they walk away all the better for it. So I've always enjoyed this show, this one. Awesome. Um, all right, let's take it over to Vic. Vic, Howl's Moving Castle. I know it's not your first time with Howl. Um, Actually, it is. What? No, you Yes. No, I'm dead serious. First time. The first time you ever watched Howl's Moving Castle? First time viewer. Feel words like I never thought I would hear spoken. We have been friends for this many years, and I didn't know this about you. Like well, I just, it's welcome. Yeah, <laughs> man. Uh, well, lay, lay it on us. Yeah, I was like, ladies and gentlemen, Vic just got ridden out of Rick's will. <laughs> <laughs> no, He'll put me back if he wants souvenirs from Japan. Um, Don't worry about it. Kiki about to deliver you the papers. So <laughs> he's safe. He he's safe. He finished Akira. So, um, as <laughs> oh, oh, like I, was saying, I enjoyed the movie, but uh, I was gonna say the one thing, and I give it a pass because of when it came out. So, Howl yeah. gets a pass, but the frame rate of the CG was just it, it my eyes were just drawn to it. Mm-hmm. It's like the frame rate in the CG was slightly off, it wasn't, it didn't match up with the frame rate of the animation, gotcha. And because of that, it seemed a little jerky to me. Plunky, yeah. But again, 2000, early 2000s, it gets a pass because CG was still rough at the time. Yeah, so far. So what they pulled off, it was actually not bad for the time. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, like I said, um, the one thing Ghibli movies, besides food, is like insane walking loops. It's, <laughs> there are like three or four sequences, you know, including the one with the freaking heen with the ponyo feet. Uh, it's just the animation for walking was just so fluid. And it, it catches my eye every single time. Story was fun, everything else. So, yeah, definitely go watch it. It was great. 
said, and like I said, the one issue I had, what the one real issue I had, it gets a pass because of its age. Sure. If it came out in the past five years, I would expect that CG to be flawless. Right. I got you. <clears throat> this is also probably, I can't speak for sure on it, but I think this might be one of the first films where they leaned on the CG more than they usually do. Like, because yeah, Mononoke was the first time they'd ever used it at all, and they just used it uh, for the deep canvas effect. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't, like, extend extensively used. But then, like, this one, like if, and same thing with Spirited Away, but then this one, I think, was, like, the first time where they, like, really leaned on it for some of the environment work and things like that. The but castle. Yeah, surprised me. Yeah, the, the whole castle. Um, Cool. All right. Brian, you want to go, buddy? Let's do this. Let's do this. <laughs> um... Aside from the critiques that we have already uh, thoroughly examined, and it, um, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm I'm finding myself, but not just me. My wife, she was watching a portion with it with me, and she actually started to recognize Ghibli's work whenever it's Ghibli. And so she was like, "Is this same people that made Ponyo?" I was like. Thank you, baby. Yep. <laughs> well done. You know, but Gold star. we're we're able to I I'm able to start viewing these things with much more detail than what I've previously was able to do. Um and and I feel like I'm hanging in there as opposed to like uh just floundering, except when I make a wonderful well thought out point and other panelists choose to just shit on it. You know, <laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter yeah. at all. With those know? very, very few exceptions. <laughs> Look, I loved it. I love I love I love doing these, you know. Uh sign me up for the next giblet and let's do this shit. Nice. Nice. Awesome. <clears throat> uh Andrea, you want to go? Do you want me to go? Sure. I'll go next. Go for it. So now remember, Rick, you have to top whatever she says. Oh, that's she dropped some huge nuggets before. I, oh no, please don't <laughs> set this up. No, I like it. so. Right, I love Howl's Movie Castle. I think it's a fantastic uh, Studio Ghibli film. I loop it in a lot with Castle in the Sky, um, just because it's not a typical movie that you think of when you think Studio Ghibli. Tend you tend to lean towards Spirited Away and Never Told at all that. And I think it's it kind of shares the same thing with Castle in the Sky is there really is no real deeper meaning. Like everything that you see is kind of the story and it just makes it a bit different for a Studio Ghibli film. Like it looks like it, it acts like it, but it doesn't necessarily talk like it. It has this extra thing onto it. For example, I don't like, I don't know if it's something that other people notice, but for me, it what caught me with Howl's Moving Castle was right in the beginning when she's walking down the back streets and those two security guards stop her. And they're just like, oh, look, a little mouse got lost. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, I, I'm I'm um, what is it? What's the word I'm looking for? I'm. And because I'm a woman, I'm tuned to it be resonated like, with you. A it bit resonated more. with me because he literally gave me chills. Like I was <laughs> like, 
oh no, that's not a good sign. She's yeah. once she was in the alleyway, that was already a bad sign. Right. And she has instructions showing that she doesn't know where she's going. Mm-hmm. And then these two guards of all people show up and they're just like, oh, a little mouse. So oh, we should go take her to get a drink. It it was very much like a oh god, this doesn't feel Studio Ghibli because they don't usually approach it this way. Yeah. And then Howl coming in and like swooping her and saving her. And you're like, oh, how nice. Like, this is going to be the romantic interest. And he's like, oh, by the way, you're in more trouble than what you originally were in. And you're just like, oh, oh, God, this is going worse. And it just takes you right off the bat. It's like. It Maybe you should have just gotten the drink. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. But essentially, it's like, that's, I think that's kind of the whole premise of that movie is it, it tells you the story, but it also goes very quickly. To the point where you're kind of like, oh my god, I'm scared. Oh my god, this guy's saving her. Oh my god, no, she's in more trouble. Oh my god, no, now she's safe. Oh my god, no, now she's cursed. Oh my god. And it's it's following all these themes. You can see the way that it goes. But it's so fast that it makes it different for Studio Ghibli. And I think that's also why it has a special place in my heart. Is because it told a different story. Because it wasn't them that naturally created it. They were basing mm-hmm. it off of a novel. And it made me want to go and read the novel. Because I was like, oh, this is... You know, Studio Ghibli-ish, where it's like nice and poppy and fun. That means that the novel content has to be an even more complex mm, and oh integral yeah. story, and it is. And so I love this movie because not only does it give the feel of Studio Ghibli, it's a great, fantastic story of like Lynette was talking about struggle and having to go through the struggle to be better on the other side. But it's also an unsung hero in a different way. It's its own unique entity. And I I love that film for that specific reason. Good, I dig it. Yeah, no, I I hear you. I I think I understand. I parallel kind of your thoughts on it. It's Howl's Moving Castle is the most commercially accessible Ghibli film. Like it's the most upfront fantasy love story sort of film, um, along the lines of something like Lapita, but more so than even Lapita. Um, it was a big success over here uh, for Western audiences, uh, probably to the chagrin of Miyazaki. But but it did it did land. He did create a, a a product that was probably a little more commercially accessible than some of his other works. Some of the things, like you said, like Spirited Away or Princess Mononoke, where the themes are a little bit deeper. Um, this is very much the surface level fantasy, and uh, I think the accessibility of it's what made it that much more popular over here. I, I also love this film. This is this is the one Ghibli film I can show anybody and be like, oh, you want to see a Studio Ghibli film? This is an example of, of like a Studio Ghibli film with the the comfort of knowing that I'm not giving them anything that's too much. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, I, I I agree with you. It's excellent. It's an excellent movie. I love it. It's it's accessible to everybody. Your whole family can watch this. You can watch it together. You can watch it, you know. You can offer this anime as a suggestion to people who've never tried anime before. Uh, it's a safe bet. And that's this movie is just, I think that's the best way to describe it. It's a safe bet. Uh, you want a safe Ghibli film, this is your movie. For sure. Uh, and uh, it's it's beautiful. This is some uh, scene I, get in, I wrote a note about I didn't get a call out. It's when Sophie turns old and she wakes up and she not wakes up when she turns old she's not really sure of herself and she goes and she looks in the mirror and the animators they didn't animate sophie they animated sophie four times from four different angles 
all animating and reacting to each other at the same time. Mm -hmm. Craftsmanship in this movie is top tier. And there's so many moments that that you just won't even realize were incredibly difficult for animators to pull off because it's such a natural thing. Uh, everything from the way she moves as an elderly woman to the you know, just I, consistency in, in the wrinkles of her skin as she moves around. All of that shit is, from a technical standpoint, this is high art. Ghibli is known for high art uh, in their work. Uh, this one's up there with a just top-tier animation quality. Uh, so, of course, for me, very high bar. But from a storyline... It's not to diminish it. It's a very, it's very pedestrian. It's very middle of the road, safe, uh, but a lot of fun. And I think anybody should pick this up. Uh, I think we might, by the time this episode releases, I think Ghibli Fest might be over or near it. Uh, this oh, might be theaters at the time, hopefully. I'm not sure if we timed it right. Um, but if if you haven't had a chance to see it in theaters, you should take some friends. Take some friends to go enjoy Howl's Moving Castle in the movies. It's great. It's a good time. Get some popcorn. Have some fun. So, if anybody doesn't have anything else to add, I think we're going to wrap it up for the day. Good. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I guess that's going to be our show for today. So next time, until next time, keep calm and may all your bacon burn. You've just been privy to the mindless midlife musings of the anime nerd presented by Geek Grotto. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Geek Grotto. For show notes and corrections or for general geeky fun, you can visit our website at geek-grotto.com. If you would like to sponsor the show, you can do so on the podcast's Red Circle host site, redcircle.com slash shows slash M-M-M-A-N. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast app, please like, follow, and subscribe.